thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I hope you came hungry. I hope you came hungry for the word of God this morning. We've been in a series called Greater. Everybody say Greater. Everybody say Greater. Come on. There you go. And I want you to stand your feet this morning for the reading of the word of God. Uh, we're going to be in our Bibles in 2 Kings chapter 6, and uh, we'll put it up on the Sky Bible, I like to call it for you this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, or 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, the Word of God says this, when the servant of the man of God, now the man of God is Elisha, the prophet Elisha, we've talked about him a couple weeks ago, we're going to continue talking about him this morning. When the servant of the man of God, of, of, of Elisha, he got up, so just envision yourself this morning, you woke up right? You got out of bed. You still had sleepy in your eyes, right? You're picking sleepy out of your eyes. You walk over. You look out the window of your house. This was Elisha and his servant. They're actually like in a tent. And so he, he peeks out of the tent. The servant does. And it says that he saw the enemy, okay? It says that he saw an army with horses and chariots, and they were surrounding them. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever kind of been in the same situation where you woke up in the morning and you were already surrounded with the circumstances of yesterday? You were surrounded with the problems and the situations that you've been going through. You almost wanted to pull the covers back over your head, right? And like, I don't want to face today. Well, this is what happens with this young man. He wakes up, and, and what had happened is there was an enemy army had surrounded their encampment, and they were there to destroy Elisha, to take the prophet Elisha out. But how many know this? When the enemy has a plan to take you out, come on, somebody, God has a plan to keep you in, right? And not just keep you in, but to deliver you and take you into what we've been talking about greater. And so this is his prayer. I mean, he hasn't even got his cup of coffee yet, man. He's got sleepy in his eyes. He looks, he sees we're in trouble, and he says, oh, no, my Lord. Look at that. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Oh, no, my Lord, what are we going to do? What shall we do? And the prophet looks at him and says, son, don't be afraid. And he says, this is why. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And think about the servant at this time. He is looking at him and Elisha, and he counts one, two, and then he looks back out the tent, and he's like, I don't know what school you went to, how they taught you your ABDs and your one, two, fours, but you don't know how to count, brother, because I'm looking out here, and I'm saying, oh, no, my Lord. And you said, there's more that are for us that are, I, 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 don't, I, I just don't get it. And so all of a sudden, the prophet in verse 17, Elisha, he prays this, open his eyes, open his eyes, Lord, that he 
may see. And this is not the prayer that the servant wanted him to pray. The servant had seen him call down fire from heaven before. The servant is like, I want you to pray one of those prayers and bring in some, you know, an army of angels with big muscles and swords. That's the prayer I'm looking for. And he doesn't get that. He gets open his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says this, then the Lord opened up his servant's eyes and the servant looked And he says, he saw the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I love you. And I just want to thank you for the ability that you've given me this morning to to preach and to teach. I thank you for giving me an opportunity to have entrance into the hearts of your people. And Lord, I believe that you sent me here with a specific assignment. And I ask this morning that you would use my mouth as your instrument to be able to do your will. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would help me to unpackage and, and deliver the prophetic word of the Lord, and I pray right now that each one of us would make a decision to open up our eyes, the eyes of our hearts. We pray this morning for nothing less than transformation. We pray that we would be transformed this morning by the renewing of our minds. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release something inside of us that would cause an eternal response, and we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Amen. While you're seated, I want you to turn to two people and say, see it through. Come on, say, turn to people and say, see it through, see it through, and you can be seated this morning, see it through. You got to see it through. So we're in the middle of a sermon series, and I'll kind of catch you up. Uh, Pastor Jared started this talking about the passage in John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus makes this statement. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and then he steps it up. He says, he will do even greater, everybody say greater. Come on, everybody say greater. He says, you're even going to do greater things than these because I go to the Father. And and I came here to remind you this morning, it's a specific assignment from God to remind you that it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. Things may be going great. I mean, you may just be tiptoeing through the tulips of life right now, and things are going great. You may be facing situations and circumstances, and things are kind of bad. Things are kind of rough. It doesn't matter. Either way, I came to let you know that God is conspiring in heaven this morning to bring into your life something even greater than what you've known for the glory of his kingdom this morning. Amen? Amen? And that's what we're going. That's what we've been talking about. I'm talking about God moving us into greater things into greater things. I'm talking about moving into greater joy, greater peace in our lives. I'm talking about greater marriages. I'm talking about greater professional lives. I'm talking about greater passion, greater finances. We're moving into greater. And when I say greater, I know many people, when they hear the word greater, they hear better. Right? Like, oh, wow, praise God, Pastor. You're talking about greater. You mean better. Well, bless the Lord, that means I get to wake up on Tuesday morning and I get to go quit my stupid, aggravating job because God has a better job for me. And if you think that, I say pump the brakes on that for just one second, all right? Let's don't get both of us in trouble because I think that God is actually wanting to create a mind shift in us to think like this. Maybe God's not calling you to quit your current job. Maybe he's calling you to show up at your current job with a greater sense of destiny, with a greater sense of passion than unless you've been just 
just walking through mundane and just doing what you've always done. Maybe you show up at your job on Tuesday with a greater sense that God has you there for a reason. Maybe that's the greater things that God's moving us into. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you heard, I didn't say I didn't say better, I said greater, but you heard better, and you're like, finally, I have God's permission to leave my spouse because I'm I married a fool, I messed up, I need a second job, a second chance. I praise God for a God of second chances and third chances. And I tell you what, my husband is a fool or my wife is a goober and I just messed up so God has a better one for me I need to go looking I need to get on the app and start swapping left and swapping right and I get to get this thing going God's got better for me that's not what I said so you need a mind shift God's moving us into greater maybe greater is not permission to get a divorce but maybe greater is now starting to move into a greater sense of love towards your spouse Come on, everybody say greater. I'm talking about maybe you, through accessing a greater love in you, could now start to move your spouse into a greater dimension they ever thought, they never even believed that they could be. And it all started when you started activating that greater love. See, it's a, it's a, it's a mind shift this morning. God is calling us to greater, but it's going to be His greater right? It's going to be what he identifies as, as greater. Maybe not what we always, and we always seem to go to the easier thing, and we say that that's the better thing, but God is saying, I have something for your life that's greater. And, and so when we're talking about that in this series, the question starts to rise up inside of us, well, how do we do that? How do I identify what is the greater? How do I start to see how God sees? How do I start to actually, Pastor Kevin, manifest these greater things in my life? Because uh, it doesn't sound that easy. It kind of sounds difficult. Well, I've been asking these questions and just looking in the Scripture, and God took me to two specific passages. And the first one we started out reading this morning in 2 Kings chapter 6, and then also you're going to see a connection here in a little bit, and it's so awesome how God revealed this. And we're also going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And you're going to see a connection between these two great men of God. One is the prophet Elisha. The other is the apostle Paul. And in Philippians chapter 4, this is Paul's New Testament letter to this church in Philippi. And, and it's, a, it's a letter calling them to stand firm. Not just to stand their ground because they're going through situations and circumstances, but to stand firm. And not just to stand firm, but to actually, he, he's showing them how to actually move into greater. And when you, when you look at this, this passage of Scripture, there are two major Scriptures that are quoted in the church over and over and over. I'm going to show them to you here in just a second, and you're going to see them. The first one that you have everybody's heard is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And we see it. I know football just started. I see some football shirts out there this morning. We, we see it in the, the gyms over the bench press machine, Right? And what does it say? Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, like that was Paul's intent when he wrote that, you know, you maxing out on 350 on the bench press. I can 
Come on, lock it out, Kevin. Three fifty two Thursday. The strength is me. Yeah, right. That's what he was. That's what he was thinking about. But that's that's where we see that word. That we see that scripture over and over. We see it on athletes today. They put it underneath. You know, they're right right here on the black. You know, uh, little little thing that they have. They put it uh, on their shoes. You know, I can do all things. You know, we we see this and and in, in sports and and the word that I want to focus and bring your, your focus to this morning is, if we could put uh, that, that verse back up, is the word strengthen. Another translation says, through God who gives me the strength. Everybody say strength. Okay. And when we see that word, think about that word strength. When you think about that word strength, you usually think of somebody that on the outward looks strong, like, may, like maybe this guy right here. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Rock before. Dwayne Johnson, I got a picture for you right there. You look at that guy and you think, that's strong. That's what strength looks like, right? That's, that's strength right there. It looks on the, on the outward. If you look at that guy, you see muscle, you say, that guy is strong. But listen, here's the thing. When you read this in context, Paul is not talking about an outward strength. He's literally, we're going to go on and continue what he writes He's talking about an inward strength, and if you're taking notes, write this down, an invisible strength. And he, he is alluding to an invisible strength. How many of you have ever known somebody, but on the outside, when you saw them, they looked small, they looked seemingly insignificant, they looked like they weren't very strong, but then when you got to know them, somehow, some way, they manifested strength. They're like, man, this is a strong person. Listen, my mama is five foot tall, and she is full of fire. I mean, she looks on the outside like she don't have any strength, but she's very strong. I, I remember growing up in sports and playing sports, and I would, you would always see somebody that looks small, and you think, man, that's not very strong. And you look at the big guy and say, that's what strong looks like. But how many ever went in sports against somebody, and you, you over you know, you, you looked at them and you underestimated them, and then all of a sudden, I, yesterday we had the privilege to go to the, the Texas Tech Ole Miss game, and before the game, they honored a Texas Tech legend and an NFL legend named Wes Welker. I'm going to put a picture of Wes Welker up on the screen for you. Now, Wes Welker, look at the picture on the right. This is him playing in the NFL. Those are the other wide receivers in the NFL, and their heads aren't even in the pictures because they're cut off. Wes Welker is a young man from Texas. He is five foot nine. The guy to his, his right or to his left, your right, that's Randy Moss. He's six foot five. That's what an NFL receiver looks like, okay? The other guy to uh, 86, he's also six foot five, okay? That's what an NFL receiver looks like. When Wes Welker played football in high school, he did not get one college scholarship offer, okay? And so he said, you know what? They don't know about me. They think I don't have any strength. I'm about to show them how strong I am. So he went to walk on tryouts at Texas Tech, and he got on the team. Not only, listen to this, not only did Wes Welker get on the team, this is, this is what Wes Welker went on to do. He ended up 
He got a college scholarship. He earned that. He looked like a shrimp. He ended up catching 259 receptions for over 3,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. He had 79 rushes for over 500 yards and two touchdowns. He scored over eight touchdowns, or he scored eight touchdowns returning punts in his career. This is still tied for the NCAA record all time. He was all conference. He was named as the special teams player of the year of all college football, and they looked at him and said, this guy don't have any strength. They, they looked at him and they said, this guy on the outside, when I look at him, I don't see any strength inside of him. How many know he showed them? So the NFL should have known, right? No, not today. They didn't know today. He said, I graduate. I got all these awards, all these accolades. You know what they said? Too small. Not strong enough. They didn't even invite the player of the year in special teams to the NFL draft. He said, okay. He called a guy that he knew. He got on the tryout team for the Miami Dolphins. Guess what? He made it. He made the team. He got a contract. Listen to what he did when he got to the NFL. They said he was too small. They said he wasn't strong enough. Not only was he strong enough, he made NFL history. He was selected to the All-Pro and the Pro Bowl team several times. He led the NFL all of the NFL, the greatest football league in the world, he led the NFL in receptions in 2007, 2009, 2011. When you look at this guy, you think, man, Wes Welker doesn't have any strength. But how many know he had some invisible strength that you can't even measure? When I look at Wes Welker, I learn that strength is often invisible, just like this video right here. Check it out. Such a feeling's coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream I'm on the top of the world This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate plans The Uh-oh Some in that cheese Seriously strong. <laughs> Man, I had y'all crying. Oh, There was a strength that you couldn't see. It was invisible. I'm talking about an, inner, an invisible strength, and this is the strength that Paul was talking about. And then he goes on in his letter, and he's wrapping this up. And in, in his letter, he, he's reaching out to this church in Philippi, and he's telling them, I, I faced some situations and circumstances, and I was in need, and nobody helped me. You were the only ones that did. He said, and so here's the thing. Because you were a blessing to me, 
God's going to bless you. And, and he makes this statement in his letter in verse 19, and he says this, and my God shall supply. Everybody say supply. This is a very famous scripture. And my God, he said, shall supply. Everybody say supply. He will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So Paul speaks of an invisible strength, and he speaks of an unlimited supply. And there it is, guys. This is the secret sauce ingredients for us moving into greater. You see, we have a great God, and that's a great place to say amen. Come on, say amen. We have a great God, and our God has promised us his invisible strength and his unlimited supply. The problem with the strength that he's promised to us is that it's invisible, that we can't see it. And so this morning, we just sang the song, even when I can't see it, you're working, right? And I came to tell you today, there is an invisible strength inside of you. There is an unlimited supply that you have access to. All you have to do is, I just have to convince you that you have it. You have looked at your situations and your circumstances for long enough. It's time to take the focus off of those things and put them back on God and say, God, I believe this stuff. I believe that you have an invisible strength in me. And here is the thing. Many of us are going through our lives in fear. It starts to pull us down. And all of our fears are rooted in this idea that I may not somehow have enough or I may not be enough to face this challenge in my life. Our, fruit, or our fears are rooted in I may not have enough, or I may not be enough. And in two verses, Paul takes those fears out back, and he buries them in the grave of God's faithfulness. And he says, you have access to God's unlimited supply and His invisible strength. He says, I've learned through the stuff that I went through. I had to go through these things. That's how I learned that God is strong. Come on. I learned through the stuff that I faced and I didn't have in my life that God will supply. See, strength and supply, strength and supply. Paul was saying, I'm confident because I'm convinced there is God's strength and supply that I have access to. I'm confident that God is always more than enough. And that's a good place to say amen. So there's a connection in these two stories. There's a connection between the prophet Elisha that we started out with, and now we get to this guy who's the Apostle Paul. And I'm saying, God, what's the connection? Because I know you're moving us into greater. I know that's what you said. You spoke over our lives. How do we get there? And God says, there's a connection. And here's the connection between these two guys. Elisha and Paul both had supernatural vision. They both had supernatural vision. You see, it's not your situation that determines your ability to go into greater. It's how you see your situation that determines your ability to step into greater. One time, Paul prayed this prayer, and he said this. He said, God, I pray that you would open the eyes of your people. You, I pray, and he even said to the people, I pray that you would open the eyes of your heart, that you may see, that you may see. 
that you may, God, I pray that they would be able to recognize, that they would be able to know the hope in which they were called. That's in Ephesians chapter 1. In a nutshell, what was he saying? He said, I'm praying that you would be able to see what's already there. It's not that God's sending it. It's that you could see that he already sent it and that you already have it and now that you would activate it. And so Elisha, we start out with the prophet Elisha and the story with his servant. And the great prophet Elisha, he did more miracles, the recorded in the Bible, more miracles than any other prophet. I mean, this guy was in greater. He lived in greater, the greater things, right? And so how did he do it? It's because he was able to see through his situations. He was able to see through. He had supernatural vision. And this is not just something that he had. You and I have it. We're just not using it. We're just not activating it. See, he saw greatness when other people saw mediocrity. He saw potential where other people only saw problems. In fact, one of his first miracles that's recorded He walks up to a stream of water. The water is polluted. It's the drinking water for a major group of people. They're going to die if they don't have any more water. And so he says, you know what? Somebody bring me some salt. He takes the salt. He sprinkles it to the water. As soon as the salt hits the water, everything changes. It changes the water where it was polluted before. Now it's clean, and it can be drank by the people. And if you remember, Jesus told us that we are the salt, come on, the salt of the earth. And what he was saying is what that salt did to that water and Elisha's miracle is the very thing that he's called his people to do in the world, that he can drop you and I into any situation, any circumstance, it don't matter what it is, and that when God's people, God God's salt are dropped into that circumstance. How many know we're going to change the circumstance? It ain't going to change us, right? This is the the miracle that, that we see right there. How did he be able to do this? It's because he could see through the surface of the limitations. Everybody's like, we're going to die. Oh, the water's polluted. He saw through that. He saw through that and saw potential. You see, on the surface, it looked like nobody was able, going to ever be able to drink the water again. And in our lives, on the surface, sometimes we look at things and we see it's going one way. But if you could learn to be like the, the Apostle Paul and like the prophet Elisha and see through it, I'm talking about see through it, you can keep going, you can overcome and move into greater. That was in 2 Kings chapter 2. In chapter 3, there's another miracle that happens. He's moving on in his ministry, and he gets surrounded by these kings. Pastor Jared preached on this a couple weeks ago when he preached uh, Dig Some Ditches. Remember that one? It's the same story. And what happens is these kings, they come to Elisha, and, uh, and they say, you know, we are in a drought, and we need rain. And so Elisha looks at them, and he's like, I know you can't see. Everybody say see. I know you can't see any clouds right now. And he's like, I know you haven't seen. Everybody say seen. Rain in a long time. I know you can't see it, but the water is going to come from a place that you can't see. You can't see it right now. He's trying to teach them, I want you to see through it. I want you to see through it. And what starts to happen is Elisha, 
starts to get them to dig some ditches, right? And what happens is he could see through the situations, and he could start to see God's perspective. He could see rain in a drought when nobody could see it. I'm telling you, he could see through it. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's another miracle. There's a woman. She's about to starve to death, and she comes to Elisha, and Elisha is going to help her, and he says, listen, what do you have in your house? And she's like, nothing much. I don't have much, just, just a little. I just have a little, just a little oil. And, 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 and Elisha's like, that's good because God likes nothing much. Because where you and I see a little and we see nothing much, God sees the beginning of a lot. It's all about a, a, a different perspective, being able to see it through. And so the lady, she went and she got her little bit of oil. And he says, all right, you got your little bit of oil. Now I want you to go to all your neighbors. And I want you to start to uh, borrow as many containers as you can get. And she is like, why? I just have a little bit of oil. And he says, you know what? You may have a little, but you're about to have a lot. And if you can see, come on, if you can see your future, you can start to now accommodate his blessings. Now go and get in many containers that you because God is never limited. Listen to me. He's never limited by his capability. He is only limited by our capacity to receive what he wants to pour through our lives. And the Bible says that God started supernaturally filling these jars just as the prophet could see that would happen. You see, Elisha could see through it. He could see through the situation. He could see how God could take this little bit of oil and he could turn it into a lot. He could see through it. He could see maybe in the future what the Apostle Paul would say, and my God shall He could see the supply. He knew about the invisible stream. He knew about the unlimited supply. So we fast forward and we pick up in the story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where we just started today. And get the picture. Here, here is why when the prophet, his servant, looked out the window or at the door and saw there was an army is because he was the prophet of God to God's people, Elisha was. And many times, on many occasions, he would speak to God, and God would say, okay, you have an enemy. This is what they're about to do. They're going to set up a trap for you out over here. So Elisha would go to the king and say, hey, if we go over here, God says, we're going to get swamped. We're going to get sacked. So let's go over here. They would reroute. And the enemy was like, how do they, how do they know? We keep setting these traps because we want to kill God's people. And how do they know? And the information finally said, they got a secret weapon. It's this prophet. So they stopped trying to go after just God's people. And they said, we got to take out the prophet. And that's why. They're surrounded, and they're, they're there to take him out, to kill him. They don't know that. Elisha doesn't know that that morning when he woke up. The servant doesn't know that when they woke up. And so I'll read it again in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up, he went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, and he said, oh, no, my Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to die today. What are we going to do? We're going to die today. You see, the servant was afraid because all he could see, everybody say see, all he could see was the circumstance. All he could see was the situation. And guess what? It was surrounding him, completely encircling him. It was overwhelming. And he's like, oh, God, please, God, please. 
And the prophet in verse 16 says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And again, he's like, this old man has lost his mind finally. One, two, and like a bunch. This guy has lost his mind. What am I even doing here? I can't believe this. And so what happens is the servant sees the enemy. But Elisha uses his supernatural vision to see deliverance. And Elisha's been through a lot. He's been through tough situations before. He knows what, he, what to do. And please hear what I'm about to say. He closes his eyes in order to see. He goes to prayer. And this is what he prays. He says, God, show him what I see. He closes his eyes in order to see. He says, God, show him what you see. Lord, open his eyes so that he can see in verse 17. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. It says, listen, 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 listen. He had already gotten up and he had already seen something. And now it says, and now he's looking a second time. Can I tell you this? In the morning, Christians... Sons and daughters of the Most High God, I'm speaking to you this morning and I implore you, you have to wake up twice every morning. You have to wake up physically, which this young man had already done. But then you need to open up. It kind of looks like this. You've got to open up your spiritual eyes so you get your cup of coffee and you woke up physically. But at some point, you need to look yourself in the mirror and you need to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget not all of his benefits. Come on. If God is for me, who can stand against me? It's not focusing on the things that you can see. It's opening up your spiritual eyes to now access what? His invisible strength and his unlimited what? Supply. you got to wake up. It says that he looked and he saw the hills now. It says that God had an army there too. He just couldn't see it. Now here's what it does not say. It does not say that the prophet prayed and he said, Oh God, please send the army to protect us. No, 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 no. That's not what it said. It says that it was already there. Come on, think about it. It says that it was already there. I need an amen for that one. Can I tell you today what about the need that you have, the help that you need? Can I tell you something about the strength that you need? Can I tell you something today about the supply that you need? It's already here. It's already here. It's in you. It's okay to see. I'm saying I'm not saying as Christians that we walk around in this this you know lying to ourselves. Oh, that's not really happened. My marriage is not really as bad as I think it is. And oh, I don't even see that my kid is sick, and I don't even see that our finances are over here. It's not. I'm not saying that. It's okay to see the enemy has set up camp overnight, but it's more important that you see what was set up by God before the enemy ever got there and the situation ever got there. Come on, somebody. The question is not, did God send it? The question today is, can you see it? Can you see it? 17, verse 17, I'll read it again. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses 
and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, now listen, I have a very vivid imagination. And when I study the scriptures, I always try to imagine the situation. I try to put myself where whoever was writing this or whatever I'm reading, put myself in the action and say, God, what can I see from their perspective? What's going on? And, and, and I'll tell you this, in studying the scripture, I always saw this a, a, a certain way, a certain way. And so it says that the servant looked and he saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. So, so I, want to, I, want you, I want to give you an illustration. I want to give you a picture of, of the way that I imagine it. Because it says he saw, he was surrounded, he was surrounded. So I need five people, five people. Just give me five people who come up here real quickly. Right now, come on here. I didn't even ask anybody, but I, here we go. Five people, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, five people. Y'all just come up, and I want y'all to surround me. Just hold hands and surround me in a circle. Okay. Okay, so you guys represent the enemy. You guys represent whatever situation that everybody's facing today. Okay, you represent lack. You represent, I don't know, uh, disappointment. You represent hardship. You represent all these things that we're, we're in the middle of. You, you represent these things. And so when I envision this story, what do I see? I see what the, what the guy, the servant saw, that he was surrounded, he was surrounded, he was surrounded. Okay? And then, so... It says, when you go on to read the scripture, it says that the Lord opens the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. So I need five more people. Give me five more people. Come up here. Y'all, come up here, Mia, and just whoever. I need five more people. I want you guys to put your hands down. I want y'all to step back. Okay, one, two, three. Here we go. Five. I want y'all to come in, and I want you to, to turn and face them, because you're the angels. I want y'all to make a circle around me now, and I want y'all to hold hands. Okay. And so when I read this, guys, this is what I always envisioned. Like I'm surrounded by situations. I'm surrounded by circumstance. But how many know that God's got me surrounded, right? I mean, look at it. I mean, he's got my back. He's got my front. He's got angels round about me. And when we read this, we think, we think that faith somehow is supposed to insulate us from situations and circumstances. We pray prayers like this. God, don't ever let anything bad happen to my family. God, don't ever let me go through lack. We read the scripture that says, and my God should supply all of your need. And we read that and say, as a person of faith, I'll never have need. That's what that means. But that's not what that means. Because when you look deeper into the scripture, this is what we want it to read as. This is how we want life to be. I'm telling you, though, life is not like this. When you read the scripture, look at the two verses again. Verse 15, when the servant of the man saw, uh, uh, he, he got up and he went out early next morning, put it up on the screen. Verse four, 15, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded, surrounded the what? The city. Okay, and then 17, look at it again. Verse 17 says, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills. The hills are outside the city. 
the enemy was surrounded the city. His help was outside the city. So y'all put your hands down for a second. And I want y'all to step out, step out. And I want the enemy to step back in. And now I need five more people to come up here and help me out. Five more people. Y'all go ahead and y'all, y'all can hold hands together. The enemy, the enemy, the enemy. Five more people come up here and help me out. Five more people come up here and help me out right quick. And I want y'all, because what does it say? It says when he opened his eyes, he saw that those who were against them were less than those that were for them. Come on, somebody. Listen, I'm here to tell you that, that God's provision is here. I'm here to tell you, all go ahead and grab hands and circle around. This is God's help. This is God's provision. I'm here to tell you that it's here. Everything that you need is here. I'm here to tell you that today. But this is, this is the part that you got to see, that you got to see. The prophet had the ability to see his answer through his circumstance. He was able to see his provision through his, his need. I, I came here to remind you, God is not in control. He gave man free will choice. We make the choices. There's things on this earth in his kingdom that happen that aren't his will. People do bad things. People go and rape and people go and murder. Was that God's will? Was God in charge of that? Did God control that? No. Okay, can I tell you today, bad things are going to happen to good people. Life is going to hit you. Okay? But this is what I want to remind you, that when you're thinking about God's purpose for your life, is it, this is what God does. When pain hits you, He takes it. Did God send the pain? No. In this story, did God send the enemy? No, the enemy sent the enemy, right? Here's the thing. God will take your pain and use it as a lens to be able to see your purpose. God will take your lack and use it. Did he send the lack? No, because guess what? The provision was there the whole time, but he will take it now, what was meant for evil, and use it for good. And he's so good at it, at the end of it, it looks like he did it. It looks like he sent that thing. He didn't send the lack. He's just now using your lack as a lens for you to see through to see his supply. Come on, y'all give these guys a hand clap this morning. Thank you for helping me. Listen, this is real preaching. This is real preaching. You come to church today and you want to hear, my God shall supply all my need, and you want to hear me say, well, you're never going to have any need. You are going to have need. I'm 40 years old, and I've been through a lot. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul said that. I know what it is. Go and read Philippians chapter 4. I know what it's to, to abound, and I know what it is to be in lack but I've learned to be content. Because contentment, what does it breed? It breeds confidence. If I know that I am content, that I have everything that I already need is on the inside of me, you can't come and and, and bring any doubt in my life because I am always confident. Well, you say, Pastor, I just can't see it, though. 
I mean, you say, you say this morning, Pastor, his supply is here. His strength is here. I just can't see. You might be like, I remember, you know, being in, I went to art school. And in art school, we went and we would see these, these um, museums and we would see these great master. My teacher would say, look at this. This master painted this master. Isn't this beautiful? And I would look at that. And I'm an artist and I'm artsy. And I'd be like, I just don't see it. Like, I love sports. I do. And, and I've had some people come up to me and be like, hey, Pastor Kevin, I know you love sports. I know you're a sports fanatic. I want to show you one of the most exciting sports that there is. Come over to my house. We're going to watch soccer. Okay. You said it's exciting? Yeah. We sit there for three hours watching a match. Ends in one to nothing. And he's like, wasn't that exciting? And I'm just like, to be honest with you, I just don't see it. One to nothing is not exciting. That's how many of us in our lives are right now. I come to you this morning and I say, you have everything you need. Listen to this. I mean, you can go and read 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, and God is telling us that his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that we need for life and godliness. I say that to you today. And you're still going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to pray for God to send something from heaven. God, I just don't have any strength. I can't go on. And God says this morning, I need you to see it through your circumstance. It's not that he takes away the circumstance. And it's not that we don't pray. You need to pray. But you also need to listen. And God says, I've already given you everything that you need, honey. I'm not sending anything else from heaven because through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, my son ascended, and then he sent his Holy Spirit. Listen to this verse. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Now to him, speaking of God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond, that's the greater. We're moving into greater, right? Abundantly beyond all that we can even ask or that you can even ever think of into the greater, he says this, according to the power. Oh, yeah, God, send me the power. Where's the power at? He says, it's within you. It's already in you. But if the enemy can get you to believe that it's not, you'll pray for what you already have every day, believing that you don't. And you'll get busted and disgusted, beat up, and you'll sit here on a Sunday morning and say, I know you say that, but I just can't see it. And to that I say this morning, see it through. I know they said that you can't do it, but see it through. I know you're looking at your, your situation and your marriage this morning, and it's, in, it's, it's a mess. See it through. 
I know, I know that you messed up this last week and that you have made mistakes, but I say to you this day, dust yourself up come on somebody get up off the ground and say i'm down but i'm not out come on say i'm going to continue i'm not going to give up because i know if i don't give up i can't lose because this is a fixed fight i know that god's divine power has bestowed upon me absolutely everything that i need for life and godliness i have access to his invisible strength come on somebody i have access to his unlimited supply it's time for the sons and the daughter the listen the bible says that the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the mature sons and daughters to rise up and be able to start to live some of this stuff out see it through stop discounting yourself stop counting yourself out and realize that god has his hand on your life and he's leading you through Integrator, stand to your feet this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray this morning. I want to pray over you. Lord, my prayer is just like Elisha's prayer so, so many generations ago, Father. My prayer for your people is that right now we would open up our eyes. We are awake physically but we need to be awake spiritually open up your eyes church so that you can see i pray father that we would see through your eyes this morning that that this morning we as your people would see greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world that we would start to see that those who are with us the power that is within us is greater than what we're facing this morning. Father, I pray we would get a revelation that we have an invisible strength and we have access to an unlimited supply and that we would dust ourselves off this morning and say, God, I'm stepping into greater. That we would get a revelation that everything that I need it's not off somewhere in the future, Lord God. It's not on its way. It's already here. And in a response to that, Father, I declare that we begin to take action. In the name of Jesus, that we begin to take action. That we access your strength and your supply. And we now start to move greater into greater. Greater in our homes, Lord God. Greater in our, in our relationships. Greater in our marriages. Greater in our jobs. Greater in our finances. I declare greater joy. Come on, church. I declare in the name of Jesus, greater peace, greater endurance, greater hope. I declare that we are your people and out of our innermost being, it's already here. It's going to start to flow rivers of greater, greater. I declare that the exchange church is moving into greater in the name of Jesus. And everybody shouted amen in this house. Come on. Give God some praise this morning. Just start to, Father, we praise you for greater. We praise you that you already done it we praise you that you're inside of us lord god leading us lord jesus as a people to be able to manifest your kingdom on this earth we pray